Well, we're on a series right now that I'm very excited about, and this series is about loving our cities. And last week, we talked about some of the, some of the theological backdrop, the permission granted that's given to us in Scripture, that indeed we are actually called to love our cities, love our communities in order to extend the kingdom of heaven. That in fact, the Bible shows us how God came and loves not just individuals, but whole cities. Amen? And so this part now, I'm going to begin to open up a little bit of how we do that. And we're going to spend some weeks here on loving our cities, loving our communities, God's strategy for how we as the church are to engage and to bring transformation to the places that we're in. And that in doing this, we will see his kingdom come and his will be done until the knowledge of the glory of God covers the earth as the waters cover the seas. That's what the Bible says. And then we know once everyone's heard, once everyone's seen, in that great day, we know Jesus will come. Come on. That's what we're looking for, right? That's what we're enjoying. We get to be a part of his body until he comes. And so this is, a, this is an exciting journey for me. And so with all that joy and all that passion, I sat down to start to prepare for this section and quickly realized I have way, way, way too much content and so you're just going to have to pray for me quietly but effectively because this is my favorite stuff. And I just want to talk about all of it. So Lord, help me. The concept that we're talking about, the strategy that God has given us, and some of you have probably heard this phraseology. This is new for Steve and Patty, of course. I'm kidding. They are living and breathing this stuff. But we want to see the whole church taking the whole gospel to the whole city. And we're, we're going to talk about that. We're going to say, well, the whole church takes the whole gospel to the whole city. What would that look like? What would that mean? And I want to talk about that, and Jason is going to help me over these next few weeks. But we need to articulate that. That needs to be more than just a, a snappy little saying. This is, this is what we're doing. And I love this quote from Newbigin. He says, the church, by its life and actions, is to be the hermeneutic or the plausibility structure of the gospel. We will be heard because of our deeds as well as our words. That word hermeneutic, it's a method or a theory of interpretation. What he's saying is when you interpret what the Bible has to say, what the Bible has to say should manifest itself so clearly in how the church acts and lives and serves and loves that people look at the church and they go, oh, that's what the scriptures mean. And that's what we're, that is what we get to be. So in this, I'm going to start with, I'm going to talk about the whole church. What is the whole church? If the whole church is going to take the whole gospel to the whole city, then first of all, what do we mean by the whole church? Is Christ Center the coolest church ever? Yes. Yes, it is. But only in that it is a part of the church. So let me talk about that for a moment, lest we become too filled with pride in the areas where we should be confident. I love this. The church stands in continuity with God's people in the Old Testament, called through Abraham to be a light to the nations, shaped and taught through the law and the prophets to be a community of holiness, compassion, and justice, and redeemed through the cross and resurrected of Jesus Christ. The church exists to worship and glorify God and to enjoy him for all eternity. We are commissioned by Christ and empowered by the Holy Spirit to participate in the transforming mission of God 
within history. Wow, that's a big picture. I chose this giant quote specifically because, one, it's amazing. Look at the, look at the bigness of what the church is. Look at the fact that the church existed before you and I were born and will exist when you and I are in heaven, most likely. It's an ongoing unfolding of this magnificent, loved bride of Jesus. This building, this house that's created out of living stones. This called out people, the ecclesia, that's been called out and made holy by God. It stretches all the way back into history from the beginning of our time with God and continues on throughout all of eternity. So in light of that, it gets kind of hard to get fully tribal, and I mean that in a negative sense, and to say we, Christ Center, this local expression is the greatest church ever. Come to Christ Center for the true teaching and the only good stuff. In light of this, that is ridiculous. We couldn't even think that of ourselves because we look at something like this and say, ooh, I don't think it's just us. I have a little confession to make. When I was younger, um, I won't blame the churches that I attended because I did believe it, but I really did believe that I was a part of the one church that was going to make it. Others may make it, maybe, but it was going to be mostly grace and in spite of them. I belong to a small, not flourishing congregation that truly understood the good stuff. I'm so glad to have gotten saved from that mindset. This is what we're a part of. And Christ Center is one tribe, as I affectionately refer to us as, and we refer to ourselves, in the church. The whole church. The ongoing, beautiful, living house that God himself is building. The body of Christ stretching out through all of history. That's what we're a part of. That's the whole church. And we have a mandate for our short time on this earth to operate from that understanding as the whole church. Humbled by the scope and the power and the amazing commission that we have, but confident as well that these are our years on earth to extend the kingdom by understanding who we are and what we're about. Is that awesome? Come on. Thank you. Yes, I got one excited brother right here. Keep it up. Keep it coming. All right, so let's dive in here. I want to give you a couple of scriptures so we can talk a little bit about what if, if okay, so first of all, you've got scope, right? I feel like we're, we're there. It's a pretty big deal. We're part of a big church. Right now, there's two billion people that at least confess with their mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. So a few hundred here agree but there's a couple billion that are continuing to echo. And the kingdom of heaven is expanding at a rapid rate. God is doing amazing things in the earth right now. I believe we live in some of the most exciting times we've ever seen. We are seeing more people saved than ever before. For the first time ever, it's mathematically possible to have a one billion soul harvest. And the prophetic voices are constantly saying there's going to be a one billion soul harvest of a generation of young people. And for the first time in history, people are being born at a rate fast enough that that could actually be true. And I believe it is true. Are you guys excited to be a part of this church? Come on. 
It's good. It's exciting. God is moving. So here we are. If, if, if we are part of the whole church and the whole church needs to take the whole gospel to the whole city, then how does that whole church effectively do what Newbigin just talked about, where we are the hermeneutic, we are the expression of the scriptures that were taught by Christ, of the scriptures that were given to us. If these teachings, if, the, if this history of God with man is true, and it's to have a result, and that result becomes the evidence of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of heaven, then what does it look like? What are we supposed to look like? How then shall we live? That's really the question. What is the whole church and how then shall we live? And specific for us that call Christ Center our home as a part of this overall church of this valley and church of the earth right now, what would that look like and how do we continue on? I forgot to tell you, I'm passing around the sign-up sheet for the foster uh, kids carnival, I'm sorry, the foster parents carnival fun day extravaganza, Camp Harlow. Yeah, it's at Camp Harlow, I'm sorry. So please, go to Camp Harlow at 4 p.m. Please put your number down, but we'd really like to see at least 50 to 150 people sign up today. So that's coming around, so just sign up. It's going to be so awesome. Okay, so that's, that's moving around. So when that clipboard comes, just write your name down, your number. We'll call you. It's going to be awesome. So what is this whole church supposed to act like? What would that be that people look at the church and they want to respond in such a way that they say, oh my goodness, Jesus must certainly be among them. So I'm going to unpack it. So the first thing we have here is, what is the whole church? Well, the whole church is in scriptures, we're called a royal priesthood. We're called a house of living stones whose architect is God. We are called a body and we are called a bride. I'm going to talk today about that we're a body. Because, as I said, there's so much beautiful content, but I can't do it all. So I'm going to focus on body today. And in 1 Corinthians, it says this. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Now, you notice it doesn't say that each individual, you are the body of Christ. It says you are together the body of Christ. In uh, Colossians, it says, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body. Say, Christ is head. Christ. Say it one more time. Christ is head. Okay, we are the body. All right, so this is an interesting thing. I'm going to build on this for just a moment. He's the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. Now, we can say that rather quickly. Oh, good, Christ is the head and we're the body. Okay, that sounds, that sounds pretty cool, you know, whatever that means. Yeah, what does that mean? What does that mean that Christ is the head of one body and the church is that one body and you and I are parts of that body? Well, it's a massive shift from the devastation of independent, individual, orphan, rebel think. It's a massive shift from that. You see, whether we realize it or not, we're in a culture that above all celebrates self, self-expression, self-individualism, self-identification, selfity, self-self-selfless. Yeah, it's absolutely self-centered. And when Christ comes and we are born again, we're not just born again into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Although he saves us personally, he is a person, he plants us in a body. You're not saved unto Christ by yourself as an individual alone. You are saved personally by Christ into a family. 
into a body. And he is the head. Now, the, now that part is wonderful because if Christ is the head, and he is, and he is in each of us, and he is, then we all have access to everything that we need in Christ. That's good news. So he doesn't say, listen, in order for you to get to me, you need to go to Jason, schedule an appointment, and he will divvy out some Christ for you because he's further up the food chain closer to Jesus than you are. That's not how it works. Christ is the head for each of us, and we have access through the Holy Spirit to Christ himself. In fact, it says that Christ and the Father are in us through the Holy Spirit, and that the Holy Spirit is teaching us all things. So this is an amazing, different kind of kingdom that we're, that we're, that we're baptized into and that we've been born again into. But it's a body, and we each represent parts of that body. Now, we understand this mentally. But this can break down for us in practice and in evidence. Again, as Newbigin says, we need to be the hermeneutic. We need to be the demonstration of what that is. What does it mean when there's a body where Christ is the head? What would that look like? You guys tracking with me? So the scripture begins to lay out, and we see this again and again and again. You read through the Bible, it's amazing when you start looking for scriptures that are supporting how we are one body and how we work together interdependently, it is just chock full of it. It's just, it's, it's just awesome. There's so much great source material. As I said, I was just having to slash and cut. I feel every time I told Jason, I need to confess this to you, I love the scriptures. I have the hardest time cutting out just like two little pieces of it. Because I'm like, but then they, they won't get the rest of it. So I'm believing that you guys read your Bibles, right? Okay, because if, if you're not, I'm going to tell Jason that I'm putting all the scriptures in. So read your Bibles. All right, so here we go. So he's speaking to him. He says, as a prisoner for the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy, this is Ephesians 4, worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one Spirit. Just as you were called to one hope, hello, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. What's the point here? How many, how many bodies of, are there of Christ on the earth right now? I'm telling you. What? I, there's one. There's just the one. There's just the one. So if this is the case, and it absolutely is, if we are actually the body of Christ, then that means that every single part of that body, every single one of us in this room today, and those that aren't in this room today, and those that are connected in other expressions of the body, every single one is absolutely, completely, and totally, irrevocably essential to the health of the body. This is why it's so easy for Jesus to say, I'm the God that leaves the 99 and gets the one. Why? Because the 99 are sticking together just like they can, and just like they should, and just like they will, but the one is, they've wandered off, and I'm going to go after them. Because they're part of the body and they're essential. They're loved. They're carrying, and even as it says here, uh, in the, I'm sorry, in the, in the previous scripture, they're carrying gifts from God. Say, I am a gift. Yes. 
Yes, you are. You are a gift. You're an absolute gift. And you're a gift to this particular expression. You're a gift to these communities. The community that you're in, you are a gift. And you are Christ's body in the place where you are. But you're not just by yourself. That's the beauty. You're always a part of the body. As long as you keep yourself connected to the body. How many of you guys know that the banana that leaves the bunch gets eaten? Right? There's only one reason that banana leaves the bunch. It's about to get eaten. Yet how often do we find ourselves returning to our orphan rebel tendencies? Well, Jesus, I got Jesus. I don't need this nonsense. Me and the Lord are on a strategic mission alone. And how often does that work out? Well, in point of fact, never. It's just his mercy that he usually eventually brings us back. But in the meantime, we wander around listening to the roaring of lions. You guys with me on that scripture there? Roaming lion or roaring lions seeking those he may devour. So Christ gave himself the apostles. Sorry, Christ gave himself. <laughs> Let me say this again, please. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. What does this mean? Well, first of all, this means that we're all in full-time ministry. So why don't you just say that I'm in full-time ministry. Yeah, you, you absolutely are in full-time ministry. Every single one of us as a part of the body of Christ are in full-time ministry. Now, I have the honor and the joy of getting to come up here and talk about it. There's an anointing upon me to encourage the saints to do these things. I get to help equip all of us to do the work of the ministry and to serve works of service. But we all together do the works. You catch that? So it's not, it's not me and Jason's job to try to figure out a way to adopt all of the orphans in our communities right now, personally. Because one, we'll do a lousy job of it. We only have so much capacity. So we're only going to be able to do up to a certain level. But we as the body of Christ, that's an actual answer. As every part does its work, we can actually save the city from the things that are destroying it. Did you know that you are much more influential and much more powerful and much more respected in your area of influence than I am? Because you're already there. You already have equity. You are acting as the body of Christ in the place where you live, where you work, where you serve. If indeed you're acting as the body of Christ and not as an orphan rebel. Amen? Are you guys enjoying this? Yes. All right. You're, you're pretty quiet, but I'm assuming it's because you're thinking this over. Yes? All right. So we're all called to do the works of Christ. And we're all called to build the body of Christ up and edify it so that it's unified, so that we come into the maturity of Christ. Unto what? Unto that others see the actions of who we are as the body of Christ and begin to give glory to God. We're going to get to that. But this is, are you seeing how we are a body? 
So then we're walking down Ephesians. And I love this piece. As we're being equipped, as we're doing the works of service, as we're moving one with another, the apostle is speaking to the church, and he's speaking to us. This letter was initially to the Ephesians, but it's to us throughout time. It's a beautiful instruction. And he says, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. Together, we will become like Christ. Say that. Together, we will become like Christ. Together. You notice it doesn't say each of you will become like Christ. He says together. What does that mean? It actually means that you and I cannot become like Christ unless we're together. We won't make it. If we're the banana that leaves the bunch, it's not to go become a superstar. You're going to be a banana smoothie. And so then it says, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. As what? So then that means we have a personal responsibility as the body of Christ. You see, we have access to the heart of Jesus Christ. We have access to the mind of Christ. We have access to the authority and the blessing and everything that we need in order to do this, we have from Christ. But it's not unto whatever we want to do. It's unto us doing our part. That's where, we, that's where we actually agree to be not a free radical. How many of you guys know that free radicals are what give the body cancer? Right? I'm serious. Like, if you have cancer, it's because you have too many free radicals in your body, and they start growing something else. It's a tumor. How many of us want to be... <laughs> I'm getting old. Nobody, nobody here has seen Kindergarten Cop. It's not a tumor. Yeah, like everybody over 40 was like, that's pretty funny. Maybe 35. Anyway, perhaps I digress. This means every one of us has direct access to Christ, and we're receiving from him and then doing our work in the body. If we try to do something that is divergent from the body, what we actually do is we begin to grow the tumors in the body. We start working against the body. And here's what's wild about that, guys. I don't know how to soften this. It's just true. We actually take the resources that have been given to us and use them to grow something else that's weird and extra and pulls energy and time and all these other things, a growth on the local expression of the, of the body of Christ. Because of those old independent self, kingdom of self ways of thinking. So what is God's remedy for that? How does he keep us as one body? How does he do that? He does it by giving us access to Christ. And as we take these scriptures to heart, as we allow the spirit of God to bring this double-edged sword of the scriptures and we apply it to our lives and we say, Father, in whatever way that I have become a free radical, in whatever way that I have stopped speaking the truth in love, in whatever way that I have decided that I am allowed to go have a personal relationship with Jesus in every bad way of what that could mean, 
Are you guys with me on this that I'm saying? Christ saves you as a person. He personally saved you. But he is not your personal savior as in just you and Jesus are going to get it done and you don't need anybody else. See, a lot of us have taken that revelation of that he personally saves us and turned it into our personal kingdom. We get our, I'm not going to take a lot of time on that, but you guys are with me in what I mean by this? All right, so this, this thing has poisoned us again and again and again because it fits so well with the culture that we're in. We have a culture that celebrates rebel thinking. So everywhere you turn, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be echoed. So if you're becoming a free radical outside of the body of Christ and you're not doing these things that the scripture calls us to do, now I'm going to talk to you about that the Holy Spirit gives you the power to be able to walk this through. But if you're turning away from it, no one is going to stop you that's not part of the kingdom. They're going to say, good for you. Good job. Good job. You know what? Way to think for yourself. Way to think for you. Because you know what? If that wasn't helping you, then you need to just back away. If they don't understand you, then good for you. Good job. You need to find your own. You need to create your own. You need to discover your own truth. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about, right? It's just, it's this free flow and do, do whatever you want. But here's the thing. We as Christians, though we wouldn't fully say amen to those ideas, when we're hurt, when we're going through things as a party of the body of Christ, we hear that stuff echoing the pain in our heart and the desire to separate from the body, and we go, yeah, no, this, this feels, this just feels right. I just need to take a break from the body of Christ for a while. It just needs to be me and Jesus for a while. I'll figure this out. And the next thing you know, you're a banana smoothie. Not even a good one. Black spots. Okay. Listen. We stay, we love, we serve because we have access to the heart of Christ. No one in the body of Christ is deprived from the direct love of Christ. From him, the whole body receives life. From him, the whole body is fed. From him, we have access through the Holy Spirit. So we have the power from God. I love that scripture. It says the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead works mightily in each of us until we all together come into the maturity of Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means the Holy Spirit is working in us to give us power to actually do this stuff. Especially when we don't feel like it. Does this make sense? You see, on our own, this is just counterintuitive. What I'm saying to come become interdependent is counterintuitive to the kingdom of which we live right now, the kingdom of America. The kingdom of heaven says you must be interdependent because it is what you've been reborn into. But because we have access to Christ, and I want to stress this point because many of us have been hurt by well-meaning Christians or not well-meaning other Christians. We have very real wounds. We have things in us where we look at this and we go, dude, I actually tried this whole submit yourselves one to another thing, and it got weird. It got weird, and I got burned. And I don't doubt that you did, because we've all been through that. And if you haven't been through that, I guarantee you hang out with other parts of the body, and occasionally you're going to get hurt. But we all have access to Christ who is able to heal all things. We all have access to the same Spirit of God which lives in us that raised Christ from the dead when he also was hurt by the church. Do you see that? Oh, you don't understand what I've been through. Actually, guys, you all crucified me. 
and I didn't even do anything wrong. So I kind of do understand. Jesus can say that with a lot of conviction. And further, God raised me from the dead so I can forgive all of y'all when you're knuckleheads. And furthermore, I can actually heal the wound. I want to say this because I don't, I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive to everyone here who has sustained wounds while learning how to be a body. God will heal you. But you must choose to continue to be a part of a body and be healed. Or, or else you won't. Or else you won't be a part of the body and you won't heal. And we'll be robbed because you know what? You're essential. You're a gift. I actually can't thrive without you. And you can't thrive without me. Isn't that beautiful? So let me give you a picture of what this could look like. And that's it. What happened? Just, just wait. See, did you see it? How about now? <laughs> now, there's key components in this that I think are beautiful. Um, did you notice that in every instance, the person who was in immediate danger made a noise? Did you catch that? Person who was in danger made a noise. And when they made the noise, the rest of the team looked and then responded. This is a key component. And I think it's laid out well here in this scripture. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. For we are all members of one body. Now he goes into, in your anger, do not sin. And don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. And don't give the devil a foothold. Now, this seems like a somewhat innocuous little part of the scripture. I believe this is one of the most powerful mandates for how we can continue to be the whole church without splintering off and fragmenting again and again and again and again. Because it starts out with this. 
Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. You notice the little ant when he was like, Wah! then he didn't say, you know, somebody's like, dude, you, how you doing, brother? How you been? It's, it's great to see you. And he's like, oh, doing great. Praise God. God's good all the time. Yes, he is. High five. And they leave and he gets eaten. No, no. He said, ah, which an ant was, dude, I'm not doing okay. I'm not doing okay. Not even a little bit. I really need help. And I want to run away. And then the person then is able to say, you know what? Let's have coffee. You know what? Let's just step outside. This is what's happening right now. Whatever it is. Whatever's needed that they don't get eaten by the anteater. Or taken out by the seagull. Or eaten by the whatever that thing was. Killer whale, I think. But here's what happens. Many of us are not honest when we need help. I'm going to go far enough to say I think most of us aren't very honest about when we need help. And so we get eaten. We really do. How many times, well, maybe you just don't have the honor of being uh, the guy that people talk to eventually after they no longer attend Christ Center. And they let me know, uh, you know, what we did wrong. And, which is helpful. It's good because we do make mistakes, by the way. Um, but here's, here is the general tale. And it's not just Christ Center. It's any church. But the general tale is this. Well, first of all, it's well-meaning people, but nobody there even loves me. And they don't even notice when I'm gone. I was gone for three months, and no one even called me. So that's the first part. There's a component of no one called. So we can work on that. Here's the other thing, though. When I showed up, no one even noticed that I was having a really, really, really hard time. Okay, we can probably work on that, too. But then as you dig a little bit deeper, and I do now, I'll say, well, goodness, are you telling me, like, you told people what you were going through, and no one even met with you? And they're like, well, I didn't tell anybody what I was going through. You're like, well, wait a minute. But it's just like people don't want to go deep. They're just not authentic in the church. And you're like, well, could you unpack that for me? What do you mean not authentic? Like, you're, are you saying that people talked with you and then didn't actually love you when you needed help? Well, they're just like, praise God, he's so good. And you guys know what I'm talking about. Kind of the classic church, hey, how's it going? They don't tell you you're, they're bleeding. You don't know they're bleeding. And then they die, but you should have known they were bleeding. Well, I think there's probably blame on both sides because we do have the spirit of God in us. And I think for most of us, I know for myself, I don't want to be offensive to somebody and like be pushy. How many of you are like that, right? You don't want to, you don't want to be pushy, you know, it's just like, well, you don't look good right now. Like you might want to get that checked out. <laughs> you know I mean? We want to be kind and I think that's beautiful. I think that's beautiful. But at the same time, if the Spirit of God is putting something on us, it's vital for us to maybe say, like, listen, I don't want to be rude, but honestly, I would rather make a mistake in trying to love you too much than make a mistake in not loving you enough. So I'm, I'm honest, I'm just concerned about you. So can we have coffee or something? Because I know you're saying you're fine, but there's just something that makes me think maybe you're not fine. And, you know, for me, I would probably say, hey, Oftentimes when I'm doing the worst, I don't know it. So 
I like it when other people come ask me hard questions. Maybe we go to coffee. So that could be one scenario. The other scenario is, if you're the person that's bleeding, tell someone. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. <laughs> I know, this is complicated, isn't it? Is this, this is a hard preach, isn't it? It's really complicated. It's not, is it? It's terrifying is what it is. I'm calling us to be honest in our walk. How you doing, brother? Oh, I'm doing great. My wife is struggling with depression. My kids are out of control right now. I've got a weird growth on my leg. But praise God. Is that really being honest? Now, I understand that you don't want to go to level 10 of intimacy with every single person that you greet at church. That's not what I'm saying. We don't have to all like put out all of our mail every time we see each other every morning. That's, that's not the point. The point is we need to live honestly. We have people that know us, and we know them. And if we are actually one body, and if every part of us is essential, and we are, every individual is essential, and we are, then if you are going through something and you sense yourself stepping back as part of the you need to understand you're so valuable, we want to help you. Because without you, we're poor. Without you, we're weak. Without you, we're not fully able to be the body of Christ. So you got to make that noise. And I believe it's right here. Put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. And the following scripture kind of brings it to another point where it says, In your anger, don't sin. Don't let the sun go down while you're still angry, and don't give the devil a foothold. How often do we get offended and don't do anything about it? I want to put some, some skin on this one. The scripture gives us a very clear mandate here not to let the sun go down on our wrath. And it says, if your brother or sister offends you, go to them. Go to them with that. Just recently, there was a scenario where um, uh, someone close to me it was missing a very important family appointment and they responded in text to say oh sorry I made other plans uh, I'm not gonna make it and I was very upset because I'm like okay first of all we both know this mutual person and it's an important appointment the kind you just don't miss and so I'm going through the scenario in my mind and the Spirit of God just convicts me how you need to just call and figure this out you need to just call right now because you know what you are? You're upset. And you're upset because you're worried that somebody you love is going to get hurt by another person that you love. So just call. And he also reminded me, you're preaching about this Sunday. You could practice it first. So I made the phone call. And, and it, was, it was very, very cool. I made the phone call and I just said, I'm calling because I wanted to hear from you what your thinking was behind this decision that you made. And they said, oh, man, so here's, here's what happened. And they laid out the scenario. It was a very reasonable scenario. It was a very reasonable scenario. And it actually spoke to the very thing I was offended about. And they had followed up with the person that we both love. And that was covered, too. So it was a fantastic phone call. What's the point? The point was, I was really upset with this individual until I called them. But by simply doing the scriptures, I was able to be at peace, and I wasn't carrying that any longer. 
What does that have to do with us as the body? This, this, this action right here is the beginning point for most of us discontinuing to be a part of the whole church because we're afraid to be honest. And I think some of that may be based in the fact that maybe we feel like we're not an essential part of the body. So what would it matter? Why would I bother somebody with my problems? To you, I want to say you are essential. You're essential. You're carrying gifts that, that we need. You're a part of us, and without you, we are not whole. So if it's a value thing that keeps you from engaging and being honest when you need something and being willing to be interdependent, then I just want to say to you, you're so valuable, and the Scripture says that you are. And if, you, if you're not a part of where God's called you, you're missed in every way. And if you're on the other side, where you feel like maybe you have made some overtures and you weren't heard, or you feel like you've at least put out some signs or someone should at least check on you, make that phone call. Put yourself out there. Because if we don't follow up on these things, this is how the enemy gets a foothold in our lives and divides us from being the whole church. I hadn't planned on beginning with this part of it, but I felt the Spirit of God directing me to say, begin with this. Begin with this. Because what God's called us to do as the whole church is consistently interrupted by this strategy from the enemy that the parts of the body, they don't call out when they need help and they don't talk to the people who've hurt them and work it through. And so then it's very easy to keep any momentum for the whole church being able to take the whole gospel to the whole city because they're just working to try to stay and be a whole church. Stay, be a whole church. That's a, that's a quite a, I'm going to go home and work on that. To stay a whole church. Is this resonating? And I think every one of us, I know that every one of us has been on both sides of this in our life. I mean, that's why we're talking about it. Every one of us has been on both sides of this. But the invitation is, by the Spirit of God, that same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead can raise us up and carry us through and heal our wounds and give us the love where we're able to love so much that we're not willing that any part of the body gets sucked up by an anteater. Amen? So be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. The beginning hermeneutic of how we will be the whole church so that our cities will see that the gospel is true is that we practice with each other. We practice with each other. I'm completely out of time, so I'm going to end right there. There's always a temptation 
because of what we're called to do together. And, you know, I'm just being uh, really vulnerable with you right now. There's always a temptation as a pastor to try to put together a good show. Put together a good show. Have some great worship. Some good feelings. Get the lights to do what they're supposed to. And all the different pieces fitting together so that when people come in, they feel like this is valuable enough for them to come back. And so anybody who has to come and lead something like this, you, you have to battle with those sort of components of, I'm gonna, I need to put on a good show, prove to everyone that this is valuable enough that they would want to come back and try it again or do it again or what have you. And I do believe in excellence, so there's a valuable piece of bringing excellence to anything that we do. But, but here's the thing. We're the body of Christ. So it's never about putting on a good show. It's never about putting on a good show. It's about being the family of God. So as we're going through this, this season together, I'm, I'm asking you, please, please, let's be more than a meeting. Let's be more than a group of people who come to check off a spiritual box. Let's be more than, than those that come in and sort of critique what was and what wasn't. Let's be what God calls us. Let us be the body of Christ. Let us be a family. Father, thank you that these things that you've said in your scriptures are true. Thank you that you've made us one body. Thank you that you've made us one family. Thank you that there's grace for every mistake that every one of us has made. Thank you that we're not here to prove to each other that we're perfect or that we've arrived or that we're now worthy of respect and love. No, Lord, we are a body connected to you, redeemed by you. We're in various stages of growth, of healing. We're in various places, but there's a place for each of us in your body. Give us, Holy Spirit, the power to love, to be willing to do these things. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer servant team is coming to the front. If you need prayer or healing in your body, we want to invite you to come and receive prayer. May the Lord bless you. I love you guys.